Northern Bank of Buffalo Bayou. You'll find the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine and its current occupants, the Killer Bees. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Being joined now by national champion Selvin Young. Remember the name? Texas played on that uh, national championship team in 05 that beat USC in one of the greatest national championship games of all time. Spent some time in the NFL. And as uh, Trey would say on the Twitch, Jersey Village's finest. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. So tell me about uh, at East River Knot. You tell me that you've been out here a few times. It's a great spot. You can play a little bit of golf. You can have a drink. Really good food. What do you like about this place, Selvin? You know, you can work on your game out here, especially on your short game. Yeah. You know, it's nice. Uh, I like it. I'm glad these guys took a chance to do something like this. The views is beautiful. Uh, driving range. Got a little something everything. Got some long shots, some short shots, you know, working on a little putting. It's a, it's a nice spot. Time for show and putt for dough, baby. Yeah, Got to get yeah. this, this short game right. Yeah. I've been trying to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm curious to, to, to get your thoughts on everything that you've seen in the landscape of college football from when you played to now when you don't have to sit out a year if you transfer. With the NIL money, it's, it, it's money flying around all over to where if you had success – there's a better offer with a whole lot of ways to cash in, and you can skip just like that. What's your thoughts, like, if they had NIL and the transfer portal the way it is now as as opposed to when you played? And what do you think about it for the landscape of college football? You know, that's a good question. I mean, for a team like we had, you know, to, to go to the Rose Bowl back-to-back years, you know, and the hype around it and the hype around USC to win national championship back-to-back and for us to come up and build up to that and live up to the hype and, you know, game for game, you know, going into that that, that summer of uh, that national championship run kind of puts me in the mind state of, you know, some of these guys now, the Alabamas, the Georgias, how these guys are, you know, starting to build dynasties and starting to have to build up a, a good, you know, good competition, good competition level. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think for us, a lot of guys had a lot of loyalty to the teams and, 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 and to themselves as far as, you know, hey, I'm going to work my butt off. I know I came to a school with a guy in front of me that was way better than me, and he's going to the NFL or he's going somewhere else. But I'm going to, you know, wait my time and, and, and get stronger, get better until my opportunity come. Uh, that was some of the mind states that I had. And, guys, that was really the only mind state that you could have. You know, you had some guys that are – you know, just leave the team and, you know, that whole sit out a whole year deal and transfer, you know, it did happen, uh, but not as not as often. Uh, but, you know, looking at, you know, how profitable this game has been, I mean, how much money has been made off of that championship game from 20 years ago, uh, just being able to know that, you know, we haven't been able to cash in on that at all, right. you know, and guys are about to cash in going forward. You know, it, it's, it's actually great. It's cool. I like it. You know, I hope guys are educating themselves on, you know, the nuances of getting money and being an independent contractor because that's pretty much what they are. And, um, you know, surrounding themselves with, uh, you know, people that's going to lead them in the right way. You know, a lot of fast money is coming. You know, the money we lived off of was Pell Grants, <laughs> you know, and yeah. calling home and, you know, saying we need a little something for this, but we need it for that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a different – you know, it's a different landscape out there. Selvin uh, Young joining us here at East River Nine, and you bring up that national championship game, and you had some legends there, right? You had Pete Carroll on one sideline, Mac Brown on the other. You look at the players that are on the field: Vince Young versus Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush. You had Lindell White yourself scored a touchdown in that game. What are your memories of that iconic national championship game? 
you know, a lot of the memories is, was the time leading up to that game. You know, just uh, the mind state that we were in as a team, you know, practice that week, just fellowshipping with the guys, you know, going to Disneyland or whatever that is. I mean, it was it was it was an amazing, you know, week just just with guys together. You know, you look on the TV and they, you know, talked about this powerhouse and who are these Texas guys. They were trying to figure out who we are and uh, and we knew who we were. So just that build up, you know, just being with the guys on the bus ride to the game. I mean, even the bus ride after the game. I mean, we're on the bus having that was just like the best time ever. And then getting back to the hotel and seeing all those people out there, it was, oh man, it was just, you know, it was a parade. It was a sea, a sea of people. You know, not to mention the last play. You know, the last couple plays actually. You know, uh, that big stop. You know, from our defense, and uh, we challenged those guys all year. You know, we had some guys on our side of the ball, both sides of the ball that went to the NFL. Pretty much our whole defensive line, our whole offensive line, and uh, our whole. Uh, receiving core and, and backfield and our whole secondary. <laughs> we all went to the NFL, and so for us to go and play against those guys in that moment, it was like, man, we, we kind of iron sharpened iron all year long, and we got to see our defense make that stop. And then we, you know, going down to put it up to win, I mean, it was almost like it was it was meant to be, you know. You know as a team, we're doing our job, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. It was like a movie script. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about how guys were loyal and if they were waiting their turn but they were loyal to the program. You talk about your loyalty to Texas. You've watched it. Now you've watched this program kind of after that, that crescendo, that high moment. There's been some highs, but there's been a lot of lows. And we always hear people make fun of, Texas is back, baby. Mm-hmm. But now you're, you're talking about it again. You're looking at a UT team that's got some quarterbacks lined up. They've got talent again. Is this the year now under, under Sark that they – they really do get Texas back and get on that kind of that platform of discussions with those teams like Ohio State, like Georgia, like Alabama? You know, I believe so. Um, I believe, uh, you know, it, it's standing out out there. Uh, guys are learning how to, uh, you know, coaches are learning how to work this, this portal, this situation, and how to get guys, you know, that can, that can help build a team. Um, and then for, for Texas to get there, you know, we have to be too deep. And so for Sark to be able to go and spend time and, and get the twos and the threes that are just as good as the ones, uh, I'm, 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 I'm sort of impressed with that. You know, at this point in time, the way we stand, um, that's what I know that takes the core of a team to be able to compete with some of these guys. You know, uh, most of these big teams, these power, power five guys are going to lean on you three, four quarters, but mano y mano, uh, you know, something's got to give. And so you got to get those new guys in and out, and I think we're too deep. I think uh, I see too deep at a lot of positions. You mentioned the quarterback. I believe we're definitely too deep there. Uh, we see some running backs that showed their, their stuff this past week. I think we can, you know, have our pick of the litter at receiver. Uh, tight end is one of the seems to be one of the best uh, athletes that I've seen in a while. Uh, so I like to see him putting his hand in the dirt a little bit more and running that rock. That's what I'm used to. So I believe that we can, you know, set a tone, especially coming this weekend. And we can start off running that football, hit the tight end, and get some plays downfield and, and connect on some of them. I think a lot of big plays are that will be had. I think we missed a few last week, and I believe guys are, you know, tuning in to connect on. We get three or four of those. You know, consecutive possessions, I believe we'll have a, you know, it'll be a good day. Last year's game came down to the wire, Texas-Alabama in Austin. This this year, of course, the rematch there in Tuscaloosa, uh, Alabama seven-point favorites. Texas wins if what? You know, we keep our quarterback in the game. 
You know, I think that's just what it's been the last two times we played these guys. You know, the national championship game, you know, hey, you lose Colt McCoy, you go down. Yeah. You know, this last game, I mean, this kid comes in as a, as a, as a freshman. And, you know, he held his own in the first two, three series, first two, three quarters or whatever he made, you know. Uh, then you got a guy on the other side of the ball that's the Heisman Trophy winner. You know, he showed his magic. You know, I played with a guy that had that kind of special <laughs> skill set, and I know what it felt like. He's standing there watching it, and I was like, well, hey, you know, that's that's what happens when you have that type of talent, once-in-a-lifetime talent. So, you know, I think some things can go right for us. It's going to be a hostile environment. Um, we got a lot of Longhorns that are going to come down and support, so they're not going to be alone. Um, so it's going to be a fun one. I'm curious your thoughts as as we get your thoughts more on just more than just Texas and, and college football. What Dion has done in week one with Colorado ha- has been the, the center of attention of all the college football world. When you look at what he's done, and we talked about this the other day, do you see Deion Sanders as a guy that is best, best suited to keep doing what he's doing and kind of do these kind of things in college football? Or do you think Deion's the kind of guy because he's been, like you talked about, you guys that have the NFL experience. We, we, we asked the question, could that coaching style or that kind of, that, the way he's got that cachet in that locker room, could that translate to the NFL too? Could he eventually do that at a higher level? You know, honestly, it, it's, it's already translated to the, to the NFL. I mean, honestly, if you, if you, if you take a look, uh, the NFL seems to be a lot younger than it ever has been before. You know, you got a lot of guys that was, you know, 30, 40, 25-year vets, and, and they're in the high positions. And now you got guys that are, you know, in their 30s in, in, in some of those same positions. And so I think for, for teams to allow that to kind of happen, a lot of these guys who, who seem to have been there and done that, and, you know, they're going with a lot of those guys uh, to, to allow that to happen. But the level of coaching, you know, coaching these young men and, and, and building that type of atmosphere, you know, it's a different level on the NFL. You know, I mean, a lot of that isn't needed, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's more so of a coach to sit back and look. I mean, hey, if you're not giving me what I, what I need, there's a lot of people in this, you know, in this world that's been working their tail off. And so, hey, we'll get somebody in that's not. And that mentality is, is basically what Dion's bringing and he's, and he's allowing to happen within his program. You know, I mean, he got a lot of guys out of there. He got a lot of guys in. And people looked at it as, as, as a bad sign of a bad coaching and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, the environment is different for where it is. And we all got a job and everyone does. And now guys are getting paid for it. And some guys are, are not getting value uh, when they should get value. You know, it's, it's different. It's uh, it's a whole different, you know, landscape we in. Uh, I do believe if Prime was to go to NFL, um, he would be able to. And I, simply because by the time he get there, he's been coached enough young guys, and it's a young league and it's a young game. I mean, those guys are going to be like, hey, that's the type of mentality I'm used to. That's the type of coaching I'm used to. It's going to be, you know, they're going to get into that. See, and I think that's the point, too, is the fact that, like, I worked for a Rockets team where James Harden had heard of Kevin McHale. But he really wasn't of an age to where he could appreciate what Kevin McHale was. But with, with Dion, you're talking about a guy that everybody was talking about, that everybody knew. Everybody saw the high stepping into the end zone and saw those kind of things. So maybe that translates more for the, the, uh, the next level because the guys can still remember when he played. A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. I had a little story. I mean, you know, uh, U of H last week, they, they brought those, those oh, Allers oh, uniforms yeah. out of there. You know what I mean? That was, was, was dope. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, Coach, you know, got in the team. And ask guys, you know, you know, put up a picture. It's like, hey, who is this? You know, a few guys knew who Earl Campbell was, but, but for the, it wasn't like Earl Campbell. You know, you put up, you know, Michael Jordan. Everyone knows him. You know, you put up Dion. Everyone knows him. Uh, so yeah, to your point, there's definitely going to be that 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 recognition. But 
for what he's doing right now in college football, I, I hope he continues this for the next decade or so. I mean, the guy looks like he's having so much fun. He looks like he's at home. He looks like he's, you know, he's hungry to kind of build something. Of course, the NFL is there. Like, why wouldn't you want to be, you know, that's prime. That's the most. Yeah. I don't think Colorado's know. his last stop no matter no, what. No, no way. No way. You can't. You can't. Right. Yeah. Selvin, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. Enjoyed the conversation. Enjoy that game tomorrow. Yeah, I will do. For sure. Appreciate you having thanks me. Selvin uh-huh. Young, Texas great, national champion, joining us on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Dusty Baker has responded to the accusations that he called Chaz McCormick fat. Uh, the best of what Dusty Baker had to say, and look, he's calling out some media right now, and I love it. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people that I love talking about. Allstate windows and siding. The reason why is because Allstate windows and siding, it's another way that they take care of Houstonians. I love people that take care of the people in the H. And Allstate windows and siding do just that. They do that by letting you know that they've been in business for a long time. Four generations of their family have owned and operated the business, and they are going to take care of you and your house. You need siding because siding is protecting the house. With staining and repairing and all the things that goes into your home, it's always an issue, and it's going to maintain if you have siding on your house with windows. If you get those double-pane windows, if you take care of your house, it's going to take care of you. The more you can do to save energy, it saves money. And it gets you more of a value for your house, and it makes your house last longer. Don't believe me? Check out them, because their website's going to show you all the different ways siding and windows can make a difference in your house. Check them out, allstatewindowsandsiding.com, and see all the different ways siding and windows can help you. And also, give them a call, 832-204-1936. That's 832 832- 204-1936. Check out the CN Senior Citizen Military and First Responders discounts. Check out all the different ways from 12-month interest fee and saving $2,000 off a siding job to you, the fact that you can get $150 off on windows with a minimum of 10 windows. They have specials. They have all the deals. But the biggest thing is they have Houston in mind to take care of Houstonians because they've been here a long time. Check out my friends at Allstate Siding and Windows. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet sassy molassie. Penguin goalie Peter Scudra says, hey, try not to shoot that puck up my pooper. I'll shoot the puck anywhere I want. And if that happens to be in your pooper, so be it. Now return you to the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9. Here are your bees, Joel Crank and Laramie Cranham. <laughs> Laramie what? What did he say? It's like Laramie Tunsil, though. He's made Cram? a lot of money. Oh, Cranham? Laramie Cranham? Yeah, Sp- I like what Spencer's doing. That. I like that from Spencer. I give my credit when credit's due. I don't due. think the text line likes it as much as you do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. It depends on who you ask. Uh, a lot of drama coming from Minute Maid Park today. Uh, there was some drama yesterday. Chaz is fat. He's too big. Chaz had quotes in a Chandler Rome article every single time. Uh, Astros lineup is out tonight for the uh, game one of the series against San Diego. Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker, Abreu, Chaz, Jiner, DHs, and Maldonado catches. Maldonado catching Hunter Brown. Maybe Maldonado getting ready to catch Hunter Brown in the playoffs. I don't know. But Dusty Baker on pairing Maldi with Hunter Brown today. I was trying to match up Yiner with Hunter, uh, but they haven't had much success getting deep in games. So a little shot at Yiner there. I got Maldi in there today to help straighten him out. If anyone can straighten him out, it's Maldi. Uh, So Yiner fans are not going to love 
that uh, soundbite a whole lot from uh, Dusty Baker. That uh, Maldi's catching Hunter Brown today, so he can straighten him out. Yanner Diaz needs, uh, you know, he's having some trouble with Hunter Brown. But that's not the best thing that came out of Minute Maid Park today, not at all. Uh, Dusty Baker has addressed the Chas McCormick fat gate. Uh, Dusty Baker has addressed, I think, some media here. Here was Dusty Baker confronting the media about all the drama surrounding Chas McCormick and he, Dusty Baker. I don't understand where that's coming from at all. And uh, it's, it's caused kind of storm out there, which is unnecessary, totally unnecessary. And it, and it seems like... You know, somebody got something against me. They had to just leave use against me and not use my players against against me. That is so wrong. And uh, as far as Chaz not playing, Chaz, you can ask Chaz. I told him before he got hurt that Chaz, you can have this job if you want. I'm not going to give it to you. But, but, but if you want this job, you can take it. Then he got hurt. He was out 20 days. 20 days. Imagine how many more bats he had then. And then he said he hadn't. I hadn't played him. He's played 42 out of 50 games. That's one day off a week. Every seven days. That's that's a lot of play. And as far as his weight is concerned, if I had something against him with his weight, you could ask him. I wouldn't bring banana pudding every once a week. I stop by This Is It, I get in banana pudding. I go to uh, uh, L.A., uh, uh, not, not L.A., New York. I bring in banana pudding. So if I was concerned about a guy's weight, I would not bring in banana pudding, or maybe I help contribute to that. But I take care of my guys, and uh, I appreciate it. People stop trying to help me manage because I think I know what I'm doing. And I take care of my players, same way they take care of me. There you go. There, there was all of it with Dusty Baker, uh, with the Chaz McCormick things. A lot of, lot of to digest there. Yeah. I like Dusty Baker taking it heads on, like confronting it head on. I like confrontation. I think it's good that Dusty like kind of gets this all off of his chest. I like that he's kind of like, look, we're, we're in the middle of a race. He didn't say this, but like they got 20 games to play. They're in first place by half a game over Seattle. You can't have this stuff hanging over your club. So I tip my cap to the philosophy of Dusty Baker into the situation of, okay, let's iron this out right now once and for all. Let's get everything out of the table. Let's be transparent about it. I like that part from Dusty Baker. I love that part because I've been in and you have too. You've been enough. We've been enough around enough guys that would just like to say what goes on between me and my players stays between me and my players, and you know, and just completely just sweep it under the rug and say we've got bigger things to worry about. But in the process, is you do have bigger things to worry about. You need to be dealing with this. So the fact that he was able to nip it in the bud in the way that he did it, I like it too. I appreciate it. I, we don't know what the true story is and where it lies, but I, we just got done saying about the batter's eye and I, another Chandler Rome story where. We're looking for something or he extra. Chaz. Yeah, well, we're looking for something extra that right now it's the last thing this team needs. Now, this team is galvanized. It's strong. It's been there and done that and been through different bumps in the road that I don't think that it would splinter this team. But it, it, it's not unheard of to think that things like this at this time of the year can set a team back a little bit when you don't need it. There's no time for it right now, there's no place for it. 
and, and this is a bunch of grown men in the locker room with a guy that's been there, done that as a player, as a manager. They'll work their own stuff out. Sure, sometimes we say Dusty's going to dust in Pawpaw's belly. But at the end of the day, I'm glad that he kind of tried. This is his way of just saying, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be done with it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my side, and then I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah, but he also said that Chaz McCormick, he told him that he had the opportunity to win the job in center field and then use an excuse for 20 games. Unless Dusty Baker is blind, I don't know how it's not pretty clear that Chaz McCormick has won the center True. field job. Like, it's pretty cut and dry that he is the best center fielder on the Astros team, and it's really not even close. There's there's a few things I disagree with Dusty Baker in this soundbite. That was one of them. While I like the philosophy of Dusty addressing this head-on, you need to. you got 21 games left to play. You're in the thick of a division race, and you're trying to win a World Series. You can't have this looming over your club. So I appreciate Dusty Baker addressing this and getting it out of the way because I think it is going to be bygone, bygone. There are a couple things that kind of, that caught my eye and that I don't necessarily uh, – my mind is not aligned with Dusty. and th- That's one of them, what Joe just said taking the job. Well, what has Chaz McCormick done that suggests he hasn't taken the job? I pulled the numbers today uh, looking at Chaz because MLB Network did a piece on Chaz McCormick and his weight and blah, 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 blah. Chaz McCormick has a top five OPS for center fielders. Chaz McCormick has a top five war for center fielders, which is a counting stat, and he hasn't played nearly as many games. Chaz McCormick's production is on par with every single center fielder in baseball. Do I think Chaz is better than Julio Rodriguez? No. His numbers are better than Julio Rodriguez this season. Though So the part where Dusty says, I've given Chaz the opportunity to take the job, go win the job, he has. Chaz McCormick has won the job. Now, to Dusty's point, he has started on 42 of 50 games. That's why I, this article to me stunk whenever I read it yesterday. Because it's like, Ch- like who, who's saying that Chaz is heavy? Who's saying that Dusty has an issue with Chaz? Dusty's bringing a banana pudding. Is he contributing to the heavy Chaz McCormick? He's played on 42 of 50 games. Has he toured around with him a little bit? Yeah, he has. But he's played him 42 of 50 games. So that story yesterday stunk. I think that Dusty's wrong in the whole sense of Chaz has done enough to take the job. But I do love that Dusty addressed it. I, I just You just got done reading the quote about Yiner Diaz and, and what we're trying to do tonight. The fact that Dusty doesn't come, he came out and said a lot today. What he doesn't come out and say is just why, you know, Van Gundy, when I worked with Van Gundy, the one thing we knew about Van Gundy was at least he admitted the fact he didn't like young guys. He didn't like draft picks, and he didn't trust them, and he wouldn't play them. And at least that was on the table so that it was a little easier to understand when Van Gundy did exactly what he said he was going to do, play veterans. He traded away Rudy Gay on draft day because he said he'd never play him, and he wanted to get a guy that he trusted that he could play right away like Shane Battier. It worked out pretty good for him, but it also worked out for Rudy Gay. The fact that he doesn't play Yiner, I mean, we're not having these same press conferences or these, these scrums where Dusty's being as honest with it. Now, he's trying to. He's playing the hint, and, the hint game and stuff Well, I think stuff he's like here because of the controversy around it. Like, Chaz, I think, specific to the controversy. Like, Yiners, there's not really controversy. It's just a disagreement on playing time, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference of, like, Dusty being transparent with Chaz and then the Yiner thing's kind of like, well, I'm getting Maldonado to figure him out. Like, that... But I, I think well, what I was trying to get at, though, too, is the fact that he has different philosophies as it relates to, to each player. There seems to be something that's rooted in there for Dusty to still make the decisions against Chaz that he makes that doesn't seem to be – it's not baseball-related. It just When you look at the numbers, and I don't know that Dusty looks at the numbers all that deeply, it's just I don't understand how he keeps doing that to Chaz. But he I, has started 42 or 50 games. Like, I, I, I'm not – Maybe I'm being devil's advocate here because I believe, like, I'm on your side. I'm on the Chaz side. I think Chaz is your everyday center fielder. There's days he's going to get days off. Like, 
Starting 42 of 50 games it, is nothing to, to sneeze at. But, like, that's significant. But when you go the step further, but it's two days in a row, when it's, when it's the, the, the quirky things where you go, I understand if you're going you're to play the matchup and it's one day. The Yankee series was bizarre, yes. And the opening series of the year was bizarre. And there were others involved in it, too, where he you, – and even when you pinch hit for him, that, that was part of the Yankee series. But when you look at it, you're going, I just feel like there's something else. We may never know it, but it just seems like there's something that is a little personal. I don't know. I think it's pretty clear at this point that there is – at least one person in the Astros organization that believes Dusty Baker has a vendetta against Chaz McCormick. I think it's Chaz McCormick. Yeah, whether it's Chaz McCormick or someone else that's in the organization that does not like the way he's handling it. Because I feel like Dusty, you can hear him get kind of testy and angry. And he, oh, yeah. And he always goes back to, like, I wish you guys would just let me manage. And he basically, he's annoyed because Chandler has someone on the inside Chaz. telling him what's going on, and he doesn't like that it's being leaked out, whether it's truthful or not. But, like, I think it's, it's very evident that at least somebody in the organization is kind of didn't, didn't, done with Dusty. I, I, talked to, I, I talked to some folks around the team, and I, and I talked to some people that, that know people on the team and just tried to get a cross-section. Because did, didn't Chandler Rome say that he, did he say multiple sources within the organization? Which story? The, the first one, the one on Chaz. He said yes. Four? I think he said four, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, even if it was Chaz was one of those, I'm thinking four. And it could be anybody. It could be you know the the video coordinators, the assistant coaches. It could be the radio it could guys. Be, yeah, <laughs> it could it could be the, it could be other guys on the team. But the fact of the matter is, there's no need to be for it to be this big of a story in this point in the season when you're in the middle of this pennant race. And it is. It it, it, it you know it becomes the overriding story more so than you know needing to take care of business against the Padres and at home. Yeah. See, I I like that he did it. I don't agree with everything he said in it. I don't like the quote at all about Yiner, though. Like, the whole, I'm using Maldonado to get him right. Like, that's showing that you don't believe Yiner can get him right. Like, that, that's taking a – and Dusty does that. Like, Dusty will – Dusty knows how much people like Yiner. So whenever he gets either questions about Yiner, he'll kind of, like, downgrade it. Or if he gets questions about, like, Maldonado, he'll upgrade it. Or he'll go out of his way to speak up, like, players that he likes and then, like, kind of uh, – kind of like, I don't want to say demean, but like discredit the player a little bit. Like when Yiner had that big home run against the Rangers in the first game of the series, I think it was McTaggart that asked him, like that Yiner home run kind of broke it open, right? And he was like, well, they were all very important. Like he does little things yeah. like that where it's like he's trying to keep his young players maybe, maybe it's a grounded. philosophy if I'm trying to keep them grounded. I'm trying to keep them from getting a big head, which you know, I can but, understand that. But to have these quotes of like, yeah, I'm going to catch Molly to get him right. Yiner hasn't had success with him. Like you're throwing your guy under the bus. But people are also going to say, even if he's saying a quote like that, there's so much more. You need that kid's bat in the lineup, okay? So you're going to kind of you're going to try and poo a little bit on the catching side of things and working with 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 Hunter Brown. But you can't deny what he's done offensively either. And when he's in the lineup, not just the pop, but the fact that he keeps getting better. I mean, there's so much more in the well-rounded story of Yiner Diaz although catching is a big part of it, to where he should be in the lineup more frequently. Yeah, it's uh, it's all very, very interesting. All right, coming up next, who said it? B-Mac's going to take on the Killer Bees. I think he's had some success with us recently. Uh, we'll try to get him back. Killer Bees broadcasting live from East Side Nine. East River Nine. East River Nine. I lost the middle word. East River Nine. The sandstorm distracted me. Killer Bees broadcasting live East River Nine in Edo. Still some time to come hang out with us. They'll be here open. They'll be open late. Have a good drink. Have a good bite. Killer Bees. ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
Hey, right now, what I want to tell you about is Doc Linville and the great things that he's doing for people in the city of Houston, Texas, that want to get their hair back. They, they, they've got pattern baldness. They, they're completely bald in certain areas. Maybe it's your, your hairline in front. Maybe it's the spot up on top and back. And you think, you know what? All I can do is shave it at this point. There's nothing I can do but just admit defeat and, and call it and, and just shave it all off. Or maybe you're trying those sprays and creams and foams that are supposed to help fix it, but all they do is mask it. But now there's another solution. It's, it's the Neograph procedure. And if you don't know what it is, Doc's the best in the business, in my opinion. Doc has mastered it. And what it is is taking hair where you're never going to lose it. Genetically, you're never going to lose it on the sides and the back of your head. And he's moving it where you need it most, to those problem areas we talked about. And he's getting results. In about six to nine months after the procedure, you're going to see it at its full best, stronger, longer hair that's never going to go away. But right from the jump, once you had the procedure done, you're going to see immediately follicles in place that are setting growing and going to be with you to improve your appearance and with that your self-confidence and make you feel better on a daily basis i did the procedure i couldn't be happier you could be the next in line to do it too and as an espn listener you get a special deal you go to 975hair.com sign up for an appointment and consultation talk to doc linville and his staff normally costs 150 bucks for you it's absolutely free and then you can ask questions, get answers, and see if it's right for you too. No obligation, nothing that you have to sign for or be uncommitted to. You just get information to see if it's right for you. It's that simple. Check them out and tell them I sent you by because I could not be a bigger advocate for Doc Lindell and the Neograph procedure. Go to 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the best sports radio station in Houston. I've got to prove that I'm the best, and I'm racing no matter what you tell me. Huh? It's now time for the mega producer, Joe George, to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the killer bees with Who Said It? Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. Yeah, let's do it. Broadcasting live, East River 9. Still time to come out here, hang out with us, despite the, uh, look like a little West Texas sandstorm there for a second. A little dust storm. But we're all good now. Uh, BMAC uh, filling in for, what do they call you, the Stump King? Is that what they say? The Stump King? What is BMAC? If I might the, be the Chump King right now. I'm getting crushed. Yeah. Right I don't think you're wrong. You're bringing in the ringer, though. BMAC's had some success with us. I think last time I was on, uh, if I was the Stump King, the listener deemed me as TreeMac. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the tree yeah I was, right. was like just Tremac. Tremac. All right, so any anything we need to know here, Joe George, this week? Because you always like to pull fast ones on us that are that I'm are not closely. involved. All right, oh, B-Mac. you're not even making the rules? Uh, B-Mac, anything we need to learn? We need every, to know this week. Everyone's on the table. Repeats are allowed. You're not going to be able to. Are we talking producers? Every producer? Yeah, every producer. The only exception I'll make is uh, if, uh, no fill-in host with Josh. Everyone was okay. on their, the show they're actually assigned to. So Dell's available. AC's av- Are you available? No, I'm not on, on, on Is on Josh this. available? Josh is, is Joe available? available? Sorry, who was the last one? Uh, Joe George. Josh yeah. Chevy. No, Joe's not. No, Josh is not available, okay. and neither is right. Josh Evans, that is. And Joe George is not available as well. So you have all the regular hosts, plus Andrew, Dell, and Sean. Is that clear enough? We started adding producers yeah, I don't here, know that but I all care right. for that, BMAC. You guys have won for like 10 weeks in a row. Because we, we, we used to not have producers, and now all of a sudden we have producers. Well, because you guys, at the point right. where you get to question five, you're like, well, we already have these four people, so obviously this is going to be the last one. I mean, I'll producers have. on five is fine. There's been weeks when Joe's used the same guy three out of five. So you, idea, you can't call that. I mean, the idea of the segment is to be able to identify who actually said it based oh, on what Mr. they said, I took not my because you're crossing off everyone on the list. 
I'm just right. busy. Right, You're here making we go, noise, but right. you quit on us because you got beat too got? much. Number one. All right, number one. I have done spice before, and I wanted to die. It was the worst. The worst feeling I've ever had. Really, it was awful. Done what? Spice. Um, who would do spice? Like, it's kind of like an old school drug, right? I don't even know like, what it is. I think it's like an old school. I want to think it's like I want to say it's like a party drug, like Molly maybe, but it's like more old school. Does this spin off of the fact that they were giving Andrew hate the other day because he finally discovered paprika? Oh, spice is that synthetic marijuana. Oh, where it's like I think you could use like you used to be able to do spice because I think it was technically legal. So this was, but still kind of back in the day, like no one uses spice anymore because like you can get THC, cannabis, or whatever. Um, who would have tried spice? Like this is probably, like, I really don't see Granado or Lance messing around with Creighton. that. Like it, I could see, yeah. I think Creighton might be too old for spice actually. Like I could actually see Creighton being too old for spice. I think it, Sometimes. maybe Paul, maybe, I think it's, I think it's Paul or Josh, honestly. Okay. Now, does Josh, you know, he was a military guy, right? Yeah. Does that factor in? It might. Okay. It might. So what does spice do? Can you repeat it? If it, it, if it, it tames it your you emotions, like, Pat might have had it. I've never had spice, so my guess would be that it's it's very similar to like to, to weed. Like I think it'd be very similar to weed. Like, okay. it's knockoff weed. Can you repeat it one more time? Sure. I have done spice before, and I wanted to die. It was the worst. The worst feeling I've ever had. Really, it was awful. I think this might be Paul. Like, that kind of reads to me as Paul. Like I, I'm kind of leaning the same way. I yeah. feel like I feel like just the, the single guy and the party life and the kind of I, – I kind of – yeah, Pat settled down a little bit. I can go with that. And then Paul, like, you know, he hates it and never going to do it again. Like, I think this is Paul. Okay. All right, let's go Paul Galan. I have done Spice before, and I wanted to die. Yes. It was the worst – the worst feeling I've ever had. I recognize his voice. Really? I didn't either. Yeah, I thought it was PC. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was hard to recognize. Was he on remote? I think it's from today. Oh, uh, look at this turnaround. That around. was from today. That was from look, today. Look, Matt going the extra mile. Wow. That's nice to so have one that. One. Good yeah, job, guys. Good <laughs> I, I, was, I was excited at first. You started talking about being an old man thing, but then you came back around to Paul. That was well done. Yeah, I had to put the timeline on Spice. All right. No, uh, quote number two. <laughs> quote number two. If Al-Qaeda had a soccer team and they paid him enough, well, not Ronaldo would be like, is the money right? So this was the bench this morning. That's not. I mean, there's that. There's that team in Saudi that's like paying everybody to come play there. That's how it like, came up? Did it? Is it? It was part of Granado and Lance, and Lance was talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and being about the money, and his wife kind of digs him. And I think Ronaldo's playing in Saudi. Yeah, that, it, I, I just know that, that. I believe that was, this was a conversation that was on the bench this morning. I think that would be a, my my immediate thought was Lance. It's one of the two, so I don't remember which one it is. So if you want to go with Lance, I'm more than happy to do that because I'm almost positive I heard it this morning. Yeah, my immediate thought was Lance. Go Lance Erline. If Al-Qaeda had a soccer whoa, team and whoa. they paid him enough, wow. Wow. Ronaldo's wow, like, is the money right? That's not a terrible comp. That's not a terrible comp. He's playing in Saudi. It's not a terrible comp. They're, they're whoa, whoa in Lance. That's not, that's not that far off. All right, quote number three. 
I don't like it when you guys have actually heard the quote. That's the. <laughs> I hadn't heard either one of these. Well, so you don't like it when we listen to our own station? Yeah, yeah it's, it's just like you're good. supposed to be able to identify it from the text. If you've already well, heard who's, it, there's nothing to listen man. elsewhere. We're listening to our own. But who's that on, though, BMAC? Who's I, that on? Look, I, I can't ask you what you have and haven't heard because then you would just be able to lie to me or just, well, you could just add producers me to, to where the mix. I was. But you, that's part of the gamesmanship. You have I to know, guess what we didn't hear. I didn't say. Look, I'm not the person that would say it's bushly. I'm saying I just don't like it. That's all. You're getting a lot of Joe today, the way you're acting. <laughs> no, right, this game is just harder because we have to, like, there's a show you guys never listened to. I thought you weren't playing this week. So you guys would ignore the show from 3 to 7 so we could use I, that, like, nonstop. I make it a point not to listen to sports radio before I work because I don't want to still take. See, I, mean, I, th- I thought I was like, safe. I understand, I understand that. Yeah, I thought yeah, it, I thought it was mind. safe being that early because I know before Joel would hear them on, the like, the drive-in or something, but yeah. with the time change, I thought I was okay. But anyway, all right, quote number three. Ron Washington is Teflon. He got caught with blow, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to keep on managing, I guess. As a 50-year-old, he decided, you know what's a good idea? As a manager of a team, I'm going to try Coke. Yeah, this is either Granado or PC. I think like, it's PC. It's, First I, I think, thing I yeah, heard, it, 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 too. within two seconds of that hearing that quote, I thought PC. Like, it's Granado or PC? Because I don't think I don't think Beard or Paul know who Ron Washington is. Uh, uh, Beardwood, because he, 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 all of his favorite teams are in Dallas. Yeah, I don't, still don't know if you know who Ron Washington is. Really? But this is incredibly long-winded. PC, mm-hmm. right? We're good with PC? Mm-hmm. All right, Patrick Creighton. Ron, Ron Washington, Washington is Teflon. He, well, he got caught with we blow, what Teflon. and he was like, yeah. I'm a- well, I knew he was one of the two. Yep. Yeah, you know. We're on the right trail. I just heard it right away. I thought PC. Me too. I was uh, PC was my first inclination. All right, quote All four. All right, two for three. We're going into number four now. Love that the lineup people are just getting flustered whenever Dusty Baker ends up being right. They score 14 runs without Yonder Diaz and without Michael Brantley in the lineup. Maybe you don't need to stress about the lineup every day. Maybe you're, I don't know, a loser if you're stressing about the lineup every day. <laughs> That's simple. That's Paul Gallant. Paul Gallant is anti-daily lineup guy. Oh, he is. That's right. Yeah. He hammers us for being too, yeah, for lineup. And this is yeah. kind of, which is kind of funny, because I, I, I really don't. I thought don't. Beard for a second, <laughs> but you're, you're pretty convinced. Paul's been on this, uh, Paul's latest gimmick, too, is that he's going to be anti anti-Dusty hater. Okay. So I'm pretty sure this is Paul Gallant. Okay. Paul Gallant. Okay. I love that the lineup people are just yep. getting Boom. flustered. Whenever they Dusty Baker lose. ends up being right. right. They score. Man. There we go. All right. Joe, Joe, you don't have to feel that bad now. We'll uh, we'll do the final yeah, one company. for S and G's. I don't ever feel bad. Oh, there's times. I know there are. It's okay. I believe you. <laughs> All right, last one is a return to the conversation format, so you have to get both person A and person B, and we have a little uh, Killer B theater here with myself and uh, Michael Carroll. You know what, Brian? I appreciate that setup. That was a really good setup, B-Mag. I appreciate that. I well, admire you. that. All You're right. welcome. All right, here's the it audio. feels bad. You love Joe Burrow as much as he does. Oh, I think Joe Burrow is a really good player. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my wrist warmed up for him so I can make things comfortable. Boy. This one's it sounds like, like Dell. You know what? I'll be honest with you, the voices like throw me off yeah. on yeah. questions five. I agree. I think I like, know this one. I think are you allowed can to I play? play? Am I, I mean we, well, already, we already won. won. I think so. I, I was on Dell too. Yeah, Dell like the last yeah, part. Yeah, the last part yeah. sounds so Dell. It feels yeah. like I think I, I hear Josh. Oh, but see, that's interesting, though. I think like it's Andrew a, and Josh. Andrew Josh. Can you repeat it one more time, Brian, just to have fun? 
Warlock. You love Joe Burrow as much as he does. Oh, I think Joe Burrow is a really good player. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my wrist warmed up for him so I can make things comfortable. So you're thinking it's Andrew and then the then then beard? Yeah, I don't even want to know what the context was. There. See, I that's think, why the con it's the context sounds so weird that feels like something yeah. beard would say. But I get Dell too. I can hear Dell being yeah. in the latter in in the two quotes. I don't know if Dell's going to say what that last part was though. I really don't. Now that I I hear it back because of the soccer quote when he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I just don't think that's Dell's repertoire. That little ver- that little language that was used there. I think it is Josh. And now. I, so you want to go Josh and Andrew? Joe, Joe talked me. Yeah, I do. Joe talked me into it. We'll go. We'll go. Is that cool with you? Oh, that's fine. We yeah, won. We already won. Uh, yeah, All right, fine. let's go that way, B-Mac. You love Joe Burrow as much as he does. Oh, I think Joe Burrow's a really good oh, player. I'm not going oh. to get my wrist warmed up for him. Okay, so oh, it so wasn't make things comfortable. It wasn't in the right <laughs> order. But I, I, yeah. I knew yeah, that Dell would have said that last part. I didn't know who was going to say the second part besides Josh. Yeah, same. So surprise to me from Lance. Is Lance not a huge Joe Burrow guy? I don't know, but I just didn't think that Lance would be a, a, wrist, <laughs> a wrist warmed up guy. Yeah, that was interesting. All right, Killer Bees win it. Who said it? What's new? All right, coming up next, Will of Bits. Also, how would it change things if the Texans do the unthinkable on Sunday? What if they do something that we all don't think can be done? What if the Texans beat Baltimore? How does that change how we view them? And also the Will of Bits. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you for what seems like years now that General Ben is the best. I saw the kind folks at uh, General Ben today. They were out here for a little while, Steve and his crew. They made me a, a drink that was fantastic. Also had a little bit of that uh, cast-strength bourbon that is so good. It all starts with the finest ingredients. Classic time ardent distilling methods. General Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor and none of the burn. General Ben takes away that bite. They take away that burn and it allows for an enjoyable drinking experience. General Ben offers the vodka, the gin, the straight bourbon, and the whisk, uh, the cast strength bourbon as well. All are fantastic and all in my rotation. What's in your rotation? You need to add them all. The next time you head to dinner or go to your favorite bar, ask for General Ben. Look for General Ben at the liquor store, whichever one you go to, whatever's on the way home. Pick up a bottle or two today. Looking for plans? Head to the General Ben tasting room. Headed to the Astros game tonight? Stop by the Gentle Bend Bar right when you walk in the Union Station entrance. Head over to GentleBend.com, take a look at that new website, learn their incredible story, and also search where you can find some Gentle Bend. Gentle Bend, three parts craft, one part science. ESPN 97.5, the only Houston sports station with a bidet. And the bidet, should it break? Is there a bidet repairman on site? Time to play the game. We now return you to the Killer Bees, live in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9. Here are the Bees' knees, nuts, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Hunter Brown, 10 and 10, 453 ERA. That's his uh, theme music, of course. Going up against the betting favorite to be the National League side, young Blake Snell, 12 and 9, 250 ERA. Blake Snell picked a good time to have a good year. He's a free agent at the end of the year. It'll be tough, though, for the Astros. Astros line up against Snell, top three, Altuve at second, Pena at short. Gordon is in the field today and left, which terrifies me. Middle three, Bregman at third, Tucker and Ryan Abreu at first. Bottom three, the Chubby, Chaz McCormick in center field, Yiner Diaz, DHs, and then Martin Maldonado. Catches. See if Martin Maldonado can get Hunter Brown right, like uh, Dusty Baker said he was going to do. 
Uh, I'm fine with this lineup. Uh, if there's some, I am a little worried that Maldonado catching Hunter Brown means that Maldonado is going to catch Hunter Brown in the playoffs, which I don't love that. I think it's coming. Uh, I'd much rather have had Yiner catch. And then, honestly, I have no problem with Brantley getting the day off against a tough lefty and Blake Snell. I would have liked to see Dubon in there and then get Yord on the DH. But, other, I mean, that's that's nitpicky stuff. I'm fine with this lineup overall. I think it's so much. the fear of Maldy catching Brown. It's so much easier to be accepting of the lineup when you know that you're deep and you know that uh, so many guys in this lineup can rake. And and that, you know, you've got a, now a team that legitimately he can make changes. He can he can tinker a little bit, but at least the guys in the lineup are capable of doing what you need to do and continuing this team on the run. It's been offensively. I don't think anybody should expect, especially against Snell, but what they did against the Rangers. But there's no reason not to expect this team to still be potent offensively. Yeah, I mean, I see if Hunter Brown can go toe to toe with Blake Snell. Like yeah. Brown's capable capable he's been shaky but he's capable that'd be really interesting Seth Lugo Christian Javier tomorrow so maybe today's a little uh extra win because you got Javier who's been a roller coaster uh, mm-hmm. pitches tomorrow and JP France against to be determined on Sunday that guy's had a good year uh Astros taking on the Ra- Texans rather taking on the Ravens on Sunday no one expects the Texans to win this right when we I don't, don't we don't I don't think it's gonna be a game gun, no. to, gun to my head I would have laid the points if you told me I had to pick one yep. to, to survive uh, my money would be on Baltimore. Uh, Is it nine and a half? Life would be on Baltimore. No. I saw it at ten. Maybe uh, it got bet down. I saw it down at nine and a half. Nine and a half. Did you? In some places. Yeah. Okay, even better. <laughs> a nine and a half, so I can survive. That's the side I would be on. But if the Texans do the unthinkable, if they go in as nearly a double-digit road dog into Baltimore, with a rookie quarterback, with a first-year head coach, a very young roster, how does it change how we feel about the Texans if they do do the unthinkable and win? Oh, I, I think that it changes a ton of people in a heartbeat. A ton of people are starting to think big, grandiose thoughts because of the fact that if they win week one and beat a, what, what's supposed to be a quality team, there's going to be people that are going to want to put fast forward on the rebuild. They're gonna, there's people that are going to think right away this is a playoff caliber team. And so that's why it can be so tricky in week one when a lot of teams with veteran players don't play those veterans at all, and, and this is kind of like their preseason, and they're not quite where they're going to be yet and you might be able to capitalize. But I think there's going to be a lot of people that would drastically change their opinion, their approach, and their outlook of this team and, and expect a whole lot more. And I think it, it starts immediately with a playoff berth if they win this week. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd be looking at a team that's capable of being above 500, quite honestly. Like, if you go into Baltimore and beat a team that I expect to be a playoff team, I have Baltimore in the playoffs, you go on the road and win at Baltimore, I'm like, okay, this team can can flirt with 500 record. They can they can win eight games because the schedule is lousy. Like, if you're, being, yep. if you're winning at Baltimore, which is one of your most difficult games, okay, I think you have a 50-50 shot to, to, to win every game that you play. Okay, maybe you can uh, win eight games. So it would change the narrative quite a bit for me, uh, especially if, like, C.J. Stroud looks really good. It's like, oh, okay, especially if the defense, like, Looks really good shutting down what I think is an explosive offense. Oh, okay, D'Amico's the real deal. C.J. Stroud's the real deal. Uh, so I think, you know, a win and then the context of how they win, there would be a lot of bright spots. Well, and, again, when you talk about that, Jeremy, and you talk about what, in the preseason he had two good drives, and all of a sudden you're going to expect Really that. one, I think. I'm trying, I mean, I'll be as generous as I can because I do think he did show glimpses of what he can be. So he had a couple of, of – of good drives that got some points. I look at this and I say, for that, for for you to suddenly think that he gets it, he's he's got it, he is it, and he's going to do it in week one, especially against a team that's always been known for their defense. Yes, the defensive coordinators change, but overall, when you look at it with the talent they still have on the field, 
I think it's so far-fetched to think that it's just going to click like that overnight and, and CJ's going to be on fire. I, I just don't see it. No, I don't see it either. But we're talking about if they win this game, how does it change the view? It would change the view quite a bit. I think it, you still have to hold off a little bit, even if they win the game. Just because, like, think about what the, was it the Packers last year? Who the, the Saints game? Was we it blown out? We, that's what I said. Last year or two years ago, it was like 20 Rodgers never plays in the preseason. Yeah. In week one, it's a surefire bet, bet against It's them. just like... It, I feel Except like this week, year. week one in the NFL to me just doesn't mean what it used to because so much of like these guys don't play in the preseason, and I really feel like these teams aren't ready for week one, and teams can get got that eventually end up being really good. So it, it would be awesome, but like it just doesn't doesn't quite move the needle for me, even if they. But win. you know wow, how, how football fans in Houston are. Guys. Oh, I know it's gonna be awesome. They're gonna, gonna, they are wait. going to uh, if that happens. They are instantly having the most grandiose thoughts of playoffs. For sure. I mean, like, I have them at seven wins, so if they win this weekend, that puts me at eight already. So, like, I would feel great about it. But, like, I don't think it just – it's just it's one week just the way the NFL is played now. It's not an anti-Texans thing. It's just, like, it's the way they, these teams prepare. I just don't think they work as hard, and it just seems like week one doesn't mean as much as See, it used to. I don't – I hear you on that. I, I hear you, especially with like the Rodgers-Green Bay thing, like where he's comfortable, he's settled, he's been there forever. But, like, this is a Baltimore team that has – it's a new-look Baltimore team. That's true. Especially yeah. on the offensive side. So, it's like you kind of have to impress. Like, you kind of have to win. And this is one of the, this is one of the three most difficult games for the Texans this year. Nine-and-a-half-point dogs, ten-point dogs. This is going to be one of the three games where they, they're getting the most points from Vegas. At Baltimore, at Cincinnati, and then – at the Jets, maybe? Yeah, like yeah. that this is one of the three most difficult games that the Texans have all year. If you stun the world and win one of the most three most difficult games you have all year, I think a lot of people in this city are saying, Yeah, this is a team with a weak schedule that can that can shock everybody. <laughs> they're looking and, at division and, and finish above five hundred. Yeah, they're win looking nine at, games. But they're looking at division and they're looking at a wild card. The the fan base is. If, yeah, if that I mean, if nine, that happens. Division, yeah, because it's weak, and maybe yes. people don't trust Jacksonville. Nine games get you into the wild card hunt, quite frankly. Like, you have the extra game, like the extra wild card now. Seven teams make the playoffs. And above 500 record, you're in the hunt. You're, you're in the race. Like, I've seen people, Joe predicted seven wins for the Texans today. I've seen people say eight and nine. You yeah. went at Baltimore, which no one has the Texans winning at Baltimore. You're going to hear people say above 500 in the wild card well, hunt for sure. And the home field means something there. I mean, th- that's a good crowd. That's a great environment in Baltimore. Uh, but you know the only thing that I can say I can see is that I don't even know that I can I can see it staying within ten points. But I think that if they get experimental, if they're just trying to work some kinks out on offense, they're looking at the Texans as a stepping stone. That hey, they're going to win, so we're going to try some things, and we're going to still try and work on some things, especially if they get up early. Maybe it gets a little closer. I just I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, obviously no one sees it, but we're talking about if the Texans so, were to win the game. Like, how does how does everybody's perception talk about, you know, on Monday? How does our perception change? How does the fan base perception change? And I think that's what it is. I, I think it's nine wins. I think now people for are talking us, about wild card. Does it, change your, does it change your thought process after one game? I think that they're – I would be more of – they can be a team that flirts with 500 versus they're a team that can flirt with a wild card. Like, I think – like, I had them at, what, five wins? Like, if they beat Baltimore, I think that eight wins is attainable. I got to see more than one week. I got to see. I'd have to see more than one week before I could. I could change my opinion. And it's not that I don't think they're going in the right direction. And I don't. It's not that I don't think they're starting to do it the right way. I, I just think week one is so quirky in the NFL. I'd have to see it for another week or, or two to change my overall. 
But obviously, if you win the first game of the year, the chances of you winning four are way better than for my prediction. Yeah, we, week ones are quirky. Week ones are very, very weird. Like, you can't put a whole lot of value in it, but I would. You don't win in Baltimore. Uh, I would. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks so much to uh, Joe George engineering our show today. Thanks so much to Brian McDonald for producing our show today. Thanks so much to East River Nine for giving us delicious food and the hospitality. Come by, see them here at East River Nine. He's Blank. I'm Bradham. We'll talk to you on Monday, Houston. Late hits. Patrick Creighton next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.